Welcome to this final episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. Final for the week. I'm, I'm not signing off. Uh, I'll pretend to sign off and then I'll come back later. And I'll be like Moroni. I want to be like him, you know? Uh, so chapter six, uh, Moroni chapter six is what we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, d- jumping right in. Uh, ch- verse one, Moroni says, And they were not baptized save they were brought forth save they brought forth fruit, meat, that they were worthy of it. So people needed to show that they were worthy of being baptized. How do you get to baptism? In Alma chapter 34, Amulek teaches the Zoramites that they needed to have faith unto repentance. The faith, Their faith in Jesus Christ needed to lead to something, and it would naturally do something if it was true faith in Christ. And what would it do? It would be faith unto repentance. It would lead naturally to a penitent heart, a, a, will, a desire to to change, okay, and to call on to call to God to forgive them. So that's what faith leads to. Repentance then leads to what? In Moroni chapter eight, this is actually Mormon uh, speaking. He said, "And the first fruits of repentance is baptism. When we've truly had faith in Christ." It naturally leads us to repentance. And repentance naturally leads us to to uh, wanting, having a desire to be baptized. Let's turn to... Um, man, I just realized that I forgot to share something with you guys in the last episode. Should I, do I share it now? Or do I never share it ever? Okay, I'll share it. So we're going to pause, put a pin in my faith under repentance, under baptism, uh, under baptism thought, because it's actually all interrelated here. So I promised something, and then I realized that I didn't deliver on that promise in the last episode. I said I was going to show you some similarities between Mosiah chapter 5, uh, 3 Nephi chapter 18, and then and the sacramental covenants and prayers. So... Uh, Let's do that, and then, I'll, and then I'll tie it into this actually as well because it does uh, these all inter are all interrelated here. So, thirty-five, chapter eighteen, Christ says, "This ye shall do with partaking of the bread in remembrance of my body." Moroni chapters four and five, we eat and drink in the remembrance of uh, the body and blood of Christ. Uh, in Mosiah, or yeah, Mosiah chapter five, King Benjamin says, "I would that you should take upon you the name of Christ." And uh, in verse in the sacrament prayers, obviously, we are witness that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. In Third Nephi chapter eighteen, uh, the Savior tells them that the sacrament is a testimony that we, under the Father, that we are uh, willing to follow Him. Uh, he also then says that it's a witness under the Father that we are uh, that we do always remember Him. Obviously, the sacramental prayers that they do always that say, say that they uh, always remember him. And if we do always remember Christ, you shall have his spirit to be with you. That comes from Third Nephi chapter 18 and echoes strongly the sacrament prayers. Uh, Mosiah, King Benjamin taught that if we are willing to be obedient to God's commandments in all things, that he shall command us, uh, then we make that covenant. Christ said, This partaking is so, uh, partaking of the sacrament doth witness unto the Father that you are willing to do that which I have commanded you. Uh, 
the sacrament prayers and witness unto thee, O God, the eternal, fa- the eternal Father, that they, are, that they are willing to keep His commandments which He has given them. Third uh, Nephi chapter eighteen, Christ said, "And you shall do it in remembrance of my blood, which I have shed for you." And then the uh, sacrament prayer for the water echoes that same uh, sentiment. And then a repeating in Third Nephi eighteen and in uh, chapter five, or the sacrament prayer of Moroni. Uh, that if we do that, we will always have the Spirit to be with us. So there's these interrelated things, right? Christ is saying, here's the sacrament. I'm going to explain the sacrament to you. Sacrament prayers have those same lessons and teachings in it. King Benjamin in Mosiah is teaching his people to about making this covenant, what covenant they're making, that they're going to become the children of Christ, taking upon their name, always remember him, wanting to do good. Another place in the Book of Mormon, which is actually where I was about to go when I remembered that I hadn't delivered on that promise, is Mosiah chapter 18. Alma is at the waters of Mormon teaching and baptizing. So the baptismal covenants, the sacrament covenants are very interwoven, right? It's where we begin to take upon us the name of Christ, witness that we're willing to uh, mourn with those that mourn, become like Christ, right? So we have faith unto repentance, we have faith in Christ that naturally leads us to repent. When we repent, two things I want you to remember is humility and gratitude. When we are penitent, we uh, cannot be truly penitent without being humble and being grateful for the atonement of Christ, being grateful for the opportunity to repent. And when we reach that point of penitence, it will naturally lead us to a desire to wanting to be baptized. Why would it do that? Why would it lead us to a natural desire to be baptized? Because when we have this truly penitent spirit, what we want is to make a covenant with with Christ. We want to make a promise to him. So in chapter 18 uh, of Mosiah, Alma says, uh, if you're desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens, they may be light. So if you're really penitent, you want to be a part of the church of Christ. You want to help other people out because you're full, so full of the spirit now. You want to mourn with those that mourn and uh, comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And if you, this is because so the faith and the repentance leads you to to these types of thoughts, and not only wanting to to uh, be forgiven of your own sins, but to help and serve other people and help them come unto Christ. That's what true true penitence does. And so then uh, Alma says, now if this is how you feel, if you are really penitent, then what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness? Before him, that you've entered into a covenant with him. So, you, when you have, when your faith unto repentance, you have this desire in your heart to be better, to strive, to stride a little longer, to help those around you. And baptism is just a sign, an outward show, an ordinance that shows God that you are willing to do those things, that you are really penitent. And so, faith leads to repentance, which naturally leads to baptism. And so, Moroni says, Nobody was baptized unless they uh, showed forth the fruit worthy uh, that sh- worthy of it. And what fruit is that? Well, we just talked all about that. It's being baptized. It, it's the the penitence. It's uh, willing to mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort. Uh, these Christ like you begin to uh, see Christ like love, charity uh, fill the person's heart. And also their actions. In so I said two words to, to remember: humility and gratitude. 
in chapter or in verse two, neither did they receive any into baptism save they uh, came forth with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Well, what does that mean? President Ezra Taft Benson said a deep realization of our actions that uh, God. So sorry, he said that it's like godly sorrow, which is a deep realization that our actions have offended our Father and our God. It is a sharp and keen awareness that our behavior caused the Savior. He who knew no sin, even the greatest of all, to endure agony and suffering. Our sins caused him to bleed at every pore. This very real mental and spiritual anguish anguish is what the scriptures refer to as having a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Other Bruce D. Porter of the 70s said, When we, our hearts are broken, we are completely open to the Spirit of God and recognize our dependence on him for all that we have done and all that we are. Uh, sorry. Dependence of on him for all that we have and all that we are. The sacrifice so entailed is a sacrifice of pride in all its forms. Like malleable clay in the hands of a skilled potter, the brokenhearted can be molded and shaped in the hands of the master. Those who have broken heart and contrite spirits are willing to do anything and everything that God asks of them without resistance or resentment. We cease doing things our way and learn to do them God's way instead. There is yet another dimension of broken heart, namely our deep gratitude for Christ's suffering on our behalf. When we remember the Savior and his suffering, our hearts, too, will, uh, will break in gratitude for the Anointed One. As we make the sacrifice to him of all that we have and all that we are, the Lord will fill our hearts with peace, He will, and he will bind up the brokenhearted. When we are truly penitent and we have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, we're the, like the, as the dust of the earth, hum, humble. Hum, and when we're humble, we're not looking down. Pride looks down. Humility looks up to God. And as we're looking up to God in humility, we can be grateful. And as you think of President Nelson inviting all of us to share in this, especially a week of gratitude, but and can, and then today, just today, he's he sent out a, an email letter to the to everyone and, and posted on social media to continue to invite us to show that gratitude. What he's inviting us to do is to have broken hearts and contrite spirits, so that we can be malleable clay in the hands of the Lord so that he can make of us what he wants, so that he can bless us the way he wants. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, we I read a quote. I'm going to read it again. It's from uh, Richard C. Edgley. He said, As I have pondered these faithful members, I am struck by two qualities they all seem to have. First, regardless of social economic status or position, their humility leads to submissiveness to the Lord's will. And second, in spite of difficulties and trials in life, they are able to maintain a sense of gratitude of God's blessings and life's goodness. Humility and gratitude are truly the twin characteristics of happiness. And we just talked about what are humility and gratitude. Well, it's just another, that's a, that's a, another way of saying a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Having a broken heart and a contrite spirit is the secret to a happy life. Why? Because having a broken heart and a contrite spirit spirit allows us to obtain forgiveness for our sins. It allows us to obtain mercy. It allows us uh, to have the enabling and ennobling powers of the atonement take effect and hold in our of the atonement of Jesus Christ take hold and effect in our life. Having a broken heart and a contrite spirit is what allows the fires of life to refine rather than ruin us. Everyone has a fire. Everyone will go through fires in their life. If your heart is broken and you have a contrite spirit, we will be re- you will be refined through those fires. If you don't, it will just burn and hurt 
with no pain, with no gain, with no benefit. Having a broken heart and a contrite spirit is our is a is how we get show the Lord that we are willing to let the atonement of Christ and His sacrifice take full sway in our hearts and in our life so that he can consecrate our afflictions for our gain. Norna continues in verse 4. What do we what do we do after they've been baptized? How do you take care of them? None were received under baptism save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And after they had been received unto baptism and were wrought upon by and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost, they were numbered among the people of the Church of Christ, and their names were taken that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God. President Hinckley famously has taught that every convert must be nourished by the good word of God. It is imperative that he or she became affiliated with the priesthood quorum or Relief Society, the young women, the young men, the Sunday school, or the primary. He or she must be encouraged to come to sacrament meeting to partake of the sacrament to renew the covenants made at the time of baptism. Elder Holland taught similarly, inspired instruction in the home and in the church helps us provide the crucial element of nourishing by the word, good word of God. Surely the opportunity to magnify the call exists everywhere. The need for it is everlasting. Fathers, mothers, siblings, friends, missionaries, ministering brothers and sisters, priesthood, uh, and group leaders, classroom instructors, each is in his own or her way, come from God for our schooling and our salvation. In this church, it is virtually impossible to find anyone who is not a guide of one kind or another to his fellow members of the flock. Which is why verse 5 then says, And the uh, church did meet together oft to fast and to pray and to speak one uh, to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. That's why we gather. That's why we have young men's and young women's and relief site and elders quorum and uh, Sunday school. It's so that we can focus on the welfare of our souls. And I would invite those of you who are in charge of those types of groups and those types of meetings to remember that, to remember that that's the focus. The focus should be Jesus Christ and how our souls are doing. Are our souls pointed to him? It's for the welfare of our souls. Do ministering brothers and sisters have the type of relationship that they can go into a home or uh, pick up the phone and call or text their ministering families and say, how is your soul? Not in that way, right? But ask poignant questions. Hey, you know, I've been thinking about you. Uh, how is your how is your study with your spouse? How is your prayers with your spouse? There's a great story of Joseph Smith being home taught. The the man being very nervous to go home teach the prophet. The prophet welcomes him in and says, "All right, you're our home teacher. Go for it." And man boldly asks the, those types of questions and how the family prayers are and how uh, Joseph and Emma are doing. Why? Because he cared about the welfare of their souls. The purpose of the church is so that we can be together until we grow in the unity of faith, until we come into the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we become like Christ. It's so that we can all help each other grow. It's not to be judged and to say, ha ha, you're the worst, you're terrible. No, it's to say, we're all going the same direction, let me help you. That's what it's for. That's the whole entire purpose of the church. And if we remember that, we can help us avoid apostasy. Elder Carlos E. Ace said, With all my heart, I implore all those who are seeking, who are walking on the fringes of our faith 
to seek the safety of the center. This can be done best by counseling with your leaders and remaining within the fellowship and circle of the saints and receiving nourishment from the good word of God. Do not permit faithless people to turn you out of the right way or put you out of existence. And I pray for those who deal in the highest form of larceny, that of stripping people of their precious testimonies. Such action, if continued, will lead only to futility and emptiness of the dream of of a night vision. Uh, Elder Suarez uh, said in talking about uh, nourishing each other by the good word of God, new friends must be nourished by the good word of God. We can help them to love and become familiar with the scriptures as we read and discuss the teachings with them, providing context to the stories and explaining difficult words. We can also teach them how to receive personal guidance through regular scripture study. In addition, we can reach out to our new friends in their homes and invite them to ours at times outside of regularly scheduled church meetings and activities, helping them to merge into the mighty river of the community of the saints. And now, and just to close uh, my thoughts for the week, um, two things. First, uh, verse 9, it says that they conducted their meetings after the manner of the workings of the Spirit. Uh, Elder David B. Haight said, the singular tragedy of the Nephite uh, decline as recorded by the Mormon in the Book of Mormon was the loss of the Holy Ghost and the spiritual gift. Wisdom and inspiration dictated that Moroni include in his closing record the instructions by his father Mormon on the ordinances and sacrament and practices of the church. Noteworthy in this testimony about their meetings, their meetings were conducted by this. Uh, the meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost. For as by the power of the Holy Ghost led them, whether to preach or to exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was done. That is the spirit that can can and should characterize our worship and our sacrament meetings. A sister remarked to me after one such spiritual meeting, I don't recall all that was said, but I remember how I felt as we sang the closing hymn and bowed our heads in prayer. And it was interesting to note that as Elder Haight pointed out, the Nephite people that Moroni knew had that spirit. And they lost it. At one time in his life, that's how they led and conducted their meetings, and it was, and then it was lost, and that's what caused them to fall into uh, utter ruin. And finally, go back to verse four, uh, keeping them wa- continually watchful unto prayer, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who was the author and the finisher of their faith. I've said some things today, you know, about how faith leads us to repentance and repentance leads us to baptism, which then gives us access to the atonement. And it can almost sound like it's because of our actions and our works. Nay, nay, nay. It is because Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice that any of it is possible. Where do we get our faith? Who do we need to have faith in? Christ. Where do we get our faith? From Christ. He is the author. In other words, the uh, father, the creator, one who brings in brings into being of our faith. And he is the finisher. He is truly alpha, the beginning, omega, the end. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is in all and is all. And it is because of him and his atoning sacrifice that any of our blessings are possible, that any of our actions, our good deeds are possible. All good comes from him. And I want to close with that as my testimony of this for this week. I thank you for joining me. I hope you join me next week as we uh, study uh, uh, more in the book of Moroni. Uh, we'll be studying uh, Mormon's words in chapters 7, 8, and 9. Uh, thanks again for listening. I hope you join me next week. Good luck.